Hello. Hello. Ahem. <coughs> <coughs> Back to the bin. How you been? What's going on? Eh, same old shit. Just work, 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 work. All right. Well, what do you want to? What did you want to shoot this? Are we in the show yet? Or uh, hi, everybody. This is back to Ben's. I'm Paul Spataro. That's Scott Gardner. Yeah, we're in the show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we'll start off with the fact that I was over at uh, New York Comic Con yesterday. Let's start off with the fact that you were over at New York Comic Con yesterday. And I just went for the one day this year. You know, in the in the past years, I've gone for usually two two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. I found that the second day almost becomes superfluous. What it, what it had been was I'd go the first day with my kids and just kind of go wherever they wanted to go. And then I'd go back the second day and I'd be on my own and I would uh, be able to wander around and just kind of do what I felt like doing. But uh, this year I just decided I'm just going one day and that's it. And my son was supposed to come up with me, go, or go with me, but uh, he woke up feeling sick. So I ended up going alone. Aww. My daughter is actually going. We're recording this on Friday. I went on Thursday. My daughter is going tomorrow with her boyfriend, so she's abandoned me for another man at this point. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, it's it's always fun, and you run into some people, which is cool. Uh, Who'd you I, run into? Well, I, I mostly spent my time diving into some back issue bins, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But while I was digging into some bins, I thought this was very very cool. Uh, I'm digging in the bins and somebody comes over and says, excuse me, aren't you Paul Spataro? I just, I, my head must have been so and big. And they that the punched ju- you right in the mouth, right? <laughs> the Javits Center was barely big enough to hold my head at that point. It was uh, uh, one of our listeners, Nick Martorelli. He's, oh, yeah, yeah, he's written know. into oh, us yeah. a couple of times and uh, he's on Facebook with us and you know, just came over and introduced himself and I, I was I was impressed to be recognized by anybody, to be honest with you. But I just thought it was very, very cool. I, I enjoyed having a chance to chat with him for a few minutes. And, uh, you know, and like I said, my ego certainly uh, felt uh, appropriately massaged. <laughs> that yeah. is really is a cool feeling, though, isn't it? I mean, as long as the words aren't followed by you've been served or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I, I'm not stupid enough to think I'm a celebrity. <laughs> uh and I don't even like to call people who listen to the show fans because I don't think we really have no, fans. We listeners. have listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I mean, my as, as much as I can joke around about my ego, uh, and while it is a good feeling and made me feel good, I, I'm not sitting, I'm not under any illusion that I'm any type of celebrity in any way, shape, or form uh, because of this silliness that we do. Uh, but it's just nice to have yourself out there enough that people recognize you and want to come over and say hello. I, I'd, right. I'd say that's that's as far as I can take the uh, the ego massage. Um, but that you know that was really cool. Then uh, you know I went downstairs to Artist Alley. Uh, didn't get a lot of interaction down there. I was talking to uh, Franco uh, from uh, Oh Yeah Comics or Tiny Titans. He's a good friend of Jason Jacanetti. I was walking around the floor, and 
didn't really see anybody too much to talk to, to be honest with you. I, I, I was going to go over to Chris Claremont, but he had a, a you know kind of a big group around him. Uh, a lot of the creators there are the more recent vintage, whereas I look for the more of the classic creators. You know, guys from the seventies and eighties mostly. I didn't right. really see too much too much of them. I said hello to Joe Staten, but you know, didn't really have any lengthy conversation with him. I was actually looking around for Billy Tucci because uh, he 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 opened up a uh, a second Facebook page under the name Jerry Tucci, and and, <laughs> yeah, and, and he does it as if it's his like uh, his evil twin. <laughs> so I was looking for Billy because I wanted to go over and ask him where Jerry was, and you know. But I, I couldn't. He's a him. hell of a nice guy. He is a real. I, guy. I, you know, anytime I've ever met him, he's he's really nice. He always seemed like he remembered me, even if he was faking it. So yeah, he's he's a really good guy. I like Billy a lot. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm friendly. Really with, jealous. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm just gonna say I'm really jealous that uh, you know, you had the opportunity, whether you know, whether you took it or not, to uh, you know to see Joe Staten because um, I can't remember if it's been more than one. I want to say it's been. A couple of conventions now that I was uh, that I went to or was supposed to go to that he was supposed to go to and then for whatever reason health reasons I I assume he never made it but that that's a dude I really want to meet at the very least shake his hand at the most you know get some books signed you know before you know before he's gone because mm. you know that's that's one thing I'm noticing more and more is man these collect these uh say collectors these creators have been dropping like flies lately man I mean I know a lot of them are getting up there in age and everything but it's just you know as I'm you know work working my way through you know selling you know books and just kind of you know rehashing my collection again and looking at books and everything and, and realizing that, you know, there's an awful lot of creators now that I'll never get that opportunity. So Staten's high on my list. Yeah, and he's, and, he's a very uh, nice guy, uh, you know, in what little interaction. I've, I've, this is the second time I've had a chance to talk to him. And uh, there was once I brought stuff for him to autograph. I think it was when we went to Eternal Con. He was supposed to be there. And I brought a, few, a couple that's of things right, for him yes. to autograph, and he didn't make it that show. Uh, and the times right. I've, I've seen him twice since then at New York Comic Con. Uh, and both times I went over and said hello and shook his hand and just told him, you know, I admire his work and whatever, but I didn't have anything with me for him to sign. So I just, you know, it was just a matter of saying hello and that I admire his work. Next time you're going to one of those, you know, a convention in your area, if you have a little bit advance notice that you are going to, he's going to, you know, be at one of those, I I might just, uh, you know, if you let me know, I might send you some books to, have you sign on my behalf? I'd make sure. it worth your while. Is that to make it worth you know, my I, while? I, I'd stop. Love, what's that? Just make it worth my while. <laughs> it's just, I mean, how silly is that? If you send it to me and I can do it, I'll get just, it done. You don't have to make it worth my. You know, I'm, what am I in? Like in the mafia? You gotta you gotta bribe me. <laughs> that's it. You gotta wet my beak if you want me to get these things signed. <laughs> I'll wait till it's Melissa's wedding day, and then you can't refuse. Yeah, that's all. so uh i'm just trying to think of who else on the floor i didn't actually see anybody else that i stopped and spoke to i just kind of walked around i was checking out people's artwork and stuff but no no you know no conversations other than say hi while i looked at their stuff uh yeah pretty much (laughs) then uh i was upstairs and that's how you should do it from now on just walk up hi you know what the problem is? You know there's people there who really do that because that's all they can do. Right. So, you know, they, they, they're going to believe that's really me. They're not going to take it as a joke. Uh, 
So I was upstairs and I saw Neil Adams and he was actually like setting up his own booth upstairs. He doesn't go in the artist alley. He, he can't be bothered mingling <laughs> with, with the, the, lesser, the lower lights. But he was setting up his own sign, and I, I walked over. I was like, "Neil, don't you have don't you have minions to do this for you?" He said, ah, "They all suck. <laughs> they can't do it right." <laughs> so, but that's you know, I, I didn't really have much of a conversation with him, but I got a kick out of that. Not only does he get batshit crazier as the years go on, he gets grouchier, and he's he's a trip. He is but so he, much fun. To be fair, he said it with a huge smile on his face. He wasn't oh. he he wasn't like legitimately complaining. I think one of the big reasons that Bill and I didn't go near him the last time we saw him at a con is he just looked damn scary. You know <laughs> what? There was only once that I had an extensive conversation with him, and he couldn't be nice. He couldn't have been nicer. That's I- what I've heard. I mean, I'm not trying to disparage the guy because I mean, I you know me, I'm a huge Neil Adams fan. But I, we we both kind of looked at each other and we're like. Eh, we don't really have a book. We don't really want to buy anything. Should we go over and bother him? And, and just kind of looking at him, and he he just looked kind of kind of sour, you know? No. Like like it had been a shitty day, or he just put up with one too many idiot fanboys or something. And we were that's entirely like, possible. Ah, no, I think we'll pass on this one. Well, you know, but he's one of those guys that you know, not that he's an old man, but you know, he's probably pushing seventy. Oh, I assumed he was actually older than that, but yeah. yeah maybe he's over. I don't even know. But he's got to be in that range. So, I, I, you know, I, I, if, if you have anything you want to get autographed by him, I wouldn't hesitate. I, you know, hopefully he'll be around for a long time. But, you know, I, I think about, like, uh, I had heard Gene Colan on Comic Geek Speak. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how he was doing commissions. And that yep. he had a website and you go on the website and order them. And I thought, boy, I'd love to get a Gene Colan commission. I had I don't remember the whole story now of how I came across it, but I had his address, his personal phone number, his email, and I had his site bookmarked. And I had every intention of doing exactly what you're talking about. And I think most of the information I got through CGS, and then I never did it. And I'm <laughs> going to kick myself for the rest of my life that I never, you know, I never got anything from him because I. I really would like to have. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if I if I could get one thing, I, I would love to have gotten a, a commission. But I'd also would have liked to have met him at a at a con to, uh, you know, get him to sign some books. Because yeah, yeah, yeah huge he, fan, I, he was but... one of the greats. And I had I had yep. every intention of going on the website and trying to see if I could afford to get a uh, commission. Because uh, who knows? I don't have no idea what he was charging. But I don't think it was. I don't think it was through the roof. I think it would have been a sacrifice, but doable. Uh, and I never did exactly, it. And, then, and yeah. then when he found out that he passed away, I have kicked myself ever since that I never got around to doing it. It wasn't cheap, but at the same rate, it wasn't. I mean, some of the ones I've seen are absolutely ridiculous, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was—he wasn't in the ridiculous range. It was in the range where you know, for for poor guys like me, it would it would have you know been a bit of a sacrifice, as you say. But I really wish I'd done it now. I wish I'd pulled the trigger on that. But yeah. well, that's that's actually well. why. I ended up pulling the trigger and got the uh, the two Val Mayrick commissions that I did. Uh, that's ultimately how I convinced myself because I, I don't remember the exact dollar amounts I spent, but I do remember they were they were not cheap. Uh, and ultimately, I said, you know, if I don't get them, and then one day I can't, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick myself. I wonder if Staten does commissions. I would bet he does. Because I just realized that he'd be actually the perfect guy to do the picture that if I was ever going to have a, a piece of artwork commissioned, you know, comic art commissioned, he'd actually be the perfect guy because it's a Superboy piece. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, and I love Joe Staten's uh, Superboy. You should, you should check. Uh, of, check. I'm sure he's got a website out there. I'm gonna have to hunt that up. As a matter of fact, I just uh, passed up getting something on eBay that was Joe Staten, and I can't decide. I mean, I kind of regret it, but at the same rate, it's one of those things where I can't, just can't decide if, like, eh, was it really worth? It was thirty dollars. It was a vintage poster. I'd never seen it before. It just kind of popped up on eBay, you know, just randomly. And I saw it, and I was like, ooh. And I kept waiting for it to go down, but it, it was it was a buy it now for that price, and there was no, like, make me an offer type of thing. Because if there was a make me an offer, you know, I'd, I'd, you know, if you just not knock, like, five bucks off, I probably would have pulled the trigger on it. But it was a, a Vintage poster, and it was Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. It was just, like, select Legionnaires. And uh, Superboy was like large and in charge on it, you know, big smile on his face. It was just classic, you know, state and artwork, and I really liked it. But uh, you know, for the condition it was in, and and for that price, I just couldn't quite commit to it. But uh, I don't know. I'm keeping an eye out. Maybe it'll pop up again at some other point. The problem is, I've seen other listings for the exact same poster, and they're a lot more money. That's why I, I can't figure if you know if I've made a good decision or a poor decision because. All the other offerings for the exact same poster that are out there are, you know, fifty and up. So mm. I don't know. I may have missed a good deal. I'm not but sure. Here's here's where I uh, throw the question out to you: Is it worth spending thirty dollars for a very cool poster, or save the thirty bucks, contact him, get any kind of commission, and put that thirty towards it? That's true. That's true too. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look that up and see. Because that would, that would be awesome. I really like that guy. I, I've always liked, liked his artwork. He's been a big fan. Yeah. Oh, he's really good. And, and he, you know, the two so times I spoke for to you, him, he was very nice. So, question? Go ahead. Having never been to uh, New York Comic Con, is it the kind of con you could do all in one day and feel like, you know, you pretty much saw the whole thing and, and got your money's worth? Or is, is it more of a multi-day con? It's more of a multi-day con unless you've done it before. I gotcha. You know, it, you know, I've done it. There's things about it that I, you know, I already know. Okay, I don't need to see this. I don't need to see that. Uh, you know, for me, I, I want to dive into the back issue bins for an hour or so. I want to see if I can meet up with any of our podcasting friends that are around, and I want to go down to Artist Alley and see who I can say hello to. And I'm pretty much done. That's like all <laughs> I really need to do. Uh, right. But there's a lot of different booths to check out. There's a lot of different things going on uh one thing that just makes me a little nuts now is that the crowds that build up around these funko things i i think they're cool right you know these little figures i think that they're fun they they make them you know they're funny but the just the the, the fervor over them just seems to be way out of out of touch uh you know i'm thinking these will be the beanie baby of the comic book world it's some funny it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah, they're, they're the modern day Beanie Babies. Now, I, I you know my friend Ken does the online uh, sales, uh, and for anybody who's interested mm-hmm. in purchasing, he's at TuscanTrader.com. Uh, <laughs> and and he I talked to him about like you know following trends or whatever, and he said he could probably make a lot of money by going for the Funko Pop figures and, and doing that, but he feels that it's kind of a trend and that it's going to 
die at some point and he doesn't want to invest too much in it and you know only to have it die off and then now he's got a a huge investment towards something that's no longer yielding the money that it should right so you know he's a little concerned about that he's he's more just again for anybody who's interested he's i think he does do some small things but i think he's more in the higher end than that you know those those are like eight ten dollar figures whatever they are i think he's higher end uh, but anybody check out his website, and if you do order something, tell him that, that I sent you. I don't know if he'll give you a discount, but he'll be happy to know that, that people who listen to me come to his store. Uh, it's funny, you know, they, they tell they tell us a story. He, he used to have a brick-and-mortar shop at one time, and uh, his wife, who's very cool, was there running the shop one day because he had to run out and run an errand, so he left her in charge. And she tells the story about how, like, this guy was sitting there, like, just, you know, on pins and needles, whether or not he should buy this $10 item and just going back and forth and back and forth. And finally, she said she reached over, grabbed that out of his hand, said, if it's that much trouble, you don't want it. She put it back on the shelf. She <laughs> <laughs> sounds awesome. And he said you know, he was appalled. He's like, you can't treat customers like that. She was like, ah, he wasn't even a customer. You know, if it takes him that long to decide to spend $10. But yeah, that, that, that cracked me up a little bit. So uh, the only other creator uh, thing is as I was leaving the con, you know, I, I stayed, I guess, I don't know, four or five hours total. And then as I was leaving, uh, I got about a block and a half away and I ran into Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor sitting on a bench just relaxing. Uh, and then I, I, you know, I made a point of saying, you know, if, if you came out here to get some freedom, I don't even want to bother you. And he was like, no, 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 that's fine. And uh, I, I spent about eh, about 15 minutes talking to them. Uh, Jimmy's one of the nicest guys. Oh, yeah. And, uh, He's they, awesome. They were not in Artist Alley. Apparently, uh, they had a special booth somewhere because Amanda designed some sort of watch face. And they were in a booth for whatever company was producing that watch. So apparently, hmm. and, and apparently they're going to be working on Wonder Woman together now. Huh. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. And I don't know when, I don't know when that starts. I didn't get a, uh, I think I, I forgot to ask him that, but I don't think there are any of their issues are out yet. But, uh, I wondered what he'd been doing. Yeah. I mean, I know they had done a lot of time on Harley Quinn, but I don't, you know, right. I, I hadn't seen him recently, but again, one of the nicest guys very easy to talk to and he's you know he's like billy tucci that either he remembers you or he pretends to remember you but he does right. but he does it so well that you just assume he does i think he in his case i think he did remember me just because every time that i went to uh megacon i would see him and pester him about jonah hex i think you know he may not have remembered me the first couple of times but he definitely did you know by the last time i saw him he, he knew me right away he's like ah jonah hex you know so yeah <laughs> well, he, uh, the first time I met him, which was about six years ago, he actually remembered me by name uh-huh. from Facebook, which like just blew me away. You know, he's like, oh, you're, you're awesome. Paul, right? <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And, and we had a lot in common at the time. Cause you know, back, I, I think he's like a year or two older than me, but that's about it. And we, you know, we both grew up in Brooklyn and we had frequented some of the same comic book stores when we were growing up. That's and cool. he had an apartment in Sheepshead Bay that was only a couple of blocks from the apartment I had. 
So we, we had a lot in common when we spoke. So it's possible he does remember me. Uh, but he also, you know, when, when I talked about uh, making a donation for pancreatic cancer, he, he stepped up and said, oh, you know, here's my agent's number. Call him and he'll, he'll send you some things, which I wasn't able to reach the guy. But still, the fact that Jimmy was, you know, that he stepped up to do that uh, just really meant a lot. That's to me. cool. And he seems like he's a really class act. Yeah, I think he is, and I think he's he's really down to earth. Right. Like I don't think he I don't think for him, I don't think the fan adulation swells his head. I think he he knows he's a regular guy and he acts like a regular guy. Just a regular right. guy with more talent than us. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I remember him saying one time, because, uh, you know, he's he started mostly as an artist and then has shifted to mostly writing and then he was doing some inking and i remember him saying something one time about i don't ever want to ink anybody who's not as good an artist as me again and i just thought that was an interesting perspective on it but you know right I, I i guess you know if that happens you start feeling like you have to impose your style over theirs if you feel their work isn't as good as what you could do and you're inking them so i i, I could see where that could be a problem but I right. did spend I did spend a decent amount of time digging into the back issue bins. Uh, I find now that the one dollar bins are mostly very new things, you know, within the last say five six years. Right. And I have no interest in those books, so I spent most of my time going through the two dollar bins, and I bought quite a few. I'm not going to hit on everything I bought, but uh, I'll, I'll hit on some of the highlights. I did not spend more than two dollars on any any one book. So let's see. I got this in front of me. I filled in a couple of holes in my. Uh, well, actually, I filled in one of the two holes I have in my Amazing Adventures run. Uh, I got issue number 22. That leaves the only issue remaining that I need from that series as number 11, which was the first appearance of the Fuzzy Beast. Right. So that one's a little hard to find. I had seen it really beat up for five bucks there, and I was going back and forth on whether to buy it. And when I went back, it was gone. So I was like, okay, that's that. Uh, I got a couple of issues of Astonishing Tales, which brings me that much closer to closing out that series. Uh, I got some Daredevil. Oh, I got a, a Captain Marvel number 12, which is, you know, for two bucks, not bad at all. I got some uh, Daredevil issues. The oldest, I got issue number 49, issue number 68, and issue number 86. Those are the three that I got below issue 100, but all $2 each. Then I got a few above 200. Uh, got Fantastic Four, number 86, and number 96. I got two two issues of the Frankenstein Monster. <laughs> I oh, love that series. Me too. I got some Hulk issues from the... I got four, four issues below issue 150. Uh, moving on, I got... Didn't grab a 181 out of the dollar bin, though. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Iron Man number 10. Wow. Iron Man number 30. A uh, couple of more Marvel premieres, bringing myself a little closer to closing out that series. Some Marvel spotlights, same thing, including issue number one for $2. That wasn't bad. That's uh, Captain Marvel, right? Uh, no, issue number one of Marvel Spotlight is The Red Wolf. You're thinking oh, okay. you might some... be thinking of issue one of Marvel Premiere, which was Warlock. 
What was the one where where after Captain Marvel series oh, okay. got that, canceled, that was, the first three issues? That were... was volume two of Marvel Spotlight. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Okay. This was volume one. Uh, I gotcha. What else? Did you say Astonishing Tales before? Mm-hmm. You have to let me know what issues you need, because I have almost a complete run of the Deathlock portion of that if that's if that's the stuff that you're looking for or are you looking earlier than that no i think i have i think i now have everything up to death lock and i'm just missing a, a handful of issues of that i got uh, submariner number 42 a couple of issues of supernatural thrillers a couple of i got oh, i love that. i got three of the very early issues issues three four and uh six which are just you know horror books but then i got 10 <laughs> 10 11 12 14, 15, which are all the living mummy. Yep. That is some great stuff. I got some... Have we ever covered that on the show? Uh, I think we covered an issue of it on one of our Halloween specials. Right. That's right. Let's see. I got Thor 192, 197, 201. A couple of Tomb of Draculas. These are all for a buck? Two bucks. Two bucks. Okay. Couple of Still, Werewolf by Nights, bucks. some some Werewolf by Nights in the teens, uh, two issues of Batman Family, and a couple of issues of Commandy. Which so, uh, Batman Families did you get? Uh, let's see, I got numbers eight and nine. That's a short run. I think that series only went like twenty issues, something like that. Uh, 20 right on the button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I'm gonna I'm looking to fill out what I don't have in that one. You said 8 and 9? Yeah. Oh, you got the one with uh, Dula Dent as uh, the Joker's daughter. Yes. It's a cool cover. Yeah, so I, I felt like it was a pretty successful back issue run. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's know. some good stuff. You know, I, I do. You know, I know Professor Allen is the big quarter bin guy, but I, I don't think I'm finding these issues for a quarter. And some of them, I'm pretty. Right. Impre- some of them, I'm pretty impressed that I was find, able to find for two dollars. I'm and, impressed he finds anything for a quarter anymore. Yeah, I can't really. remember the last time I saw a, a fifty cent bin, let alone a quarter bin. So yeah, it amazes me though. Like an issue like Iron Man number ten that I got for two dollars. And granted, it's it's a red copy. It's not in mint, but it's not in horrible shape either. It's not a, a whipped to shit copy. Right. Uh, but I got it for two dollars. And if you go, you know, thirty feet away to you know different to a different booth, they'll have it in the fancier bag, and it'll be you know forty five dollars. Right. And that, and that that just amazes me that you know a couple of feet away from each other you get the such such you know, a difference in prices. And I, and I looked in a couple of those those booths and I was looking at it and it was like, there, there was nothing that was reasonably priced, in my opinion. At least nothing that was reasonably priced that I would want to spend the money on. So, you know, to me, if it's not a bargain, I don't want it. Yep. I'm, I'm, I've long been perfectly content with a copy. You know what I mean? So long as it was complete... And and not horribly mangled or something, you know, not you know all water stained or you know somebody lo- it looked like somebody had you know used it to sop up oil or something, you know. <laughs> then I, I was perfectly content you know, with that. I, I don't you know with with things like that, especially you know when you're talking old pricey books. I, I just 
I'd rather be able to to have a lot of them, maybe in lesser condition, than a really sweet one, and that's all you can afford, you know. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat on that. I don't really. I think it. To me, I, I always wonder: is that more of the collector leaning towards speculator type of thing versus the reader mentality? Because that's that's it for me too. Is you know. You know, like we've talked about many times with the whole slabbing thing, you know, the, one of the biggest things I've got against slabbing, besides the fact I think it's just a big scam ripoff, is the fact that, you know, I collect these damn things because I like to read them, not because I, you know, I just want to, you know, treat it like a, you know, like an antique vase that you're, you know, you, you're not allowed to touch, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to handle it. So, yeah. Well, it's the same thing as far as I'm concerned with, uh, you know the 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 other type of collectibles where you know, you know you've been to my house. I have what collectibles I have. I have on display. I'm, right. not, I'm, I'm not the you know oh it's got to stay in the box because it's going to lose value. You know that's that's just not my thing. Right. Uh, I'm not I'm not interested in in in, in collecting, for lack of a better word, collectibles, uh, just for resale value. I get them because I like them. Right. And right. You know if. If they lose value because of that, so be it. You know, I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather put it on display. I think, you know, I think that's the whole reason to have something like that is to, you know, to be proud of it and display it and all of that. I don't know. I mean, I got sucked into the whole collect, you know, collectibles, you know, as a, you know, as a potential investment thing. You know, in the in the eighties and nineties, like a lot of collectors did, and you know, some of that stuff really paid off as well. But I don't know. In the in the pit of my stomach, it always kind of gave me that icky feeling, like you know, this is not what I'm in this hobby for, type of thing. So I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, but that's <laughs> that's exactly the way I look at it. Is I'm in the hobby because I enjoy it, and the minute I stop feeling that way, then then I shouldn't be in it anymore. It's, right. It's, it's just you know the, the the likelihood of turning this stuff around for big bucks is slim. So you know all I have is the fun. Right. It depends on the items too. I mean, I I've been doing a lot of eBaying lately, um, you know, just to try to downsize my personal collection for for a number of reasons. Probably the biggest reason is. Um, you know, I've gone entirely digital with comics, you know, with, with reading my comics and everything. And what started out as a joke in, in a lot of our episodes, both of like back to the bins and other shows, you know, with, with other people I've podcasted with, you know, it started out as a joke about the fact that, ah, you know, I just hunted this up on the internet and threw it on my iPad as opposed to, you know, rifling through a box to find it type of thing eventually turned into, you know, after making that comment a thousand times, it finally sunk in that, you know, I've got all these damn things, but I'm not actually pulling them out. You know, they're just sitting in boxes. So, you know, the, the, my wife's been talking a lot more about wanting to move and, and everything. And, I, you know, at my age and everything and with all the shit that I've got, I just, I can't fathom moving and hauling all this crap again. So there's been a lot of factors kind of contributing to it. So, um, you know, as time allows and as eBay has, you know, some decent deals on, you know, listing free auctions and everything, I, I've been doing a lot of eBaying lately. And, you know, frankly, I've been kind of surprised by some of the, you know, the, you know, quote unquote values of things 
um, that I put up that, you know, I'd be perfectly happy if somebody gave me 50 cents or a dollar for it. And, you know, you've got stuff that's going for, you know, some pretty decent money. So, oh, that's been part of it for me, too, is it it helps motivate when you suddenly realize that, uh, you know, everybody talks about how, you know, depressed the comics market is and everything. But, you know, for somebody that's, you know, starting into the, you know, only ever started into this as a hobby, you know, collected things on the cheap. And then, you know, you can turn things around that, you know, damn well that you didn't pay much more than a dollar for. And, and now all of a sudden they're, you know, worth whatever, you know, 30, 40, a hundred bucks or whatever for, you know, for a single issue. It just, you know, I can't justify holding on to things like that, you know, that if they really can command those kind of prices. So yeah, but I've been doing all right. Well, I've, I've taken the, you know, the attitude of, I am, going to sell off the you know to, to in my mind the more recent stuff which is basically you know from everything post bronze age with the exceptions of things that for whatever reason i've decided are special uh, right to, to me um but you know i i have i think i have nine long boxes sitting down in my basement right now ready for ready for resale uh and i'm supposed to do that with Dario, but what, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take some time and, and alphabetize what I have so that I can make an inventory of what I have to sell, and, and this way I can try and put it together in lots that make sense, and uh, I guess what I might do is once I have that list of everything that I'm selling, I'll throw it up on the page that if anybody you know really wants anything, they can let me know, but otherwise they'll be going over to eBay. Right. But yeah, I just, I, I, you know, I want to keep the collection, you know, I want to keep my, my silver slash bronze age collection because it gives me pleasure. Uh, and it's still sizable. It's, it's, it is the large majority of my collection anyway. Uh, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying about, you know, pulling them out or whatever. Even my kids said, yeah, you know, you know, dad buys these books and he puts them away and then they, they stay there. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> But I still, every once in a while, like to pull out a full run of whatever series. So there's, there's certain books that I'm still, you know, that I still have on my want list. And uh, most of them, most of what's on my want list, I think I would be limiting myself to that those $2 bins on. But there's the occasional right. issue that I would do a little bit better than that on. Uh, you know, like I said, Amazing Adventures number 11, I assume I'm going to have to spend more than $2 for that. Uh the only issue in my Defenders run that I'm still missing is number 10. That's the one with the Hulk versus Thor on the cover. I'm not finding that for $2, I don't think. I saw it yesterday for like 70 I was like, okay, that ain't happening either. I wonder if I have that. No, I don't have that one. I was just looking that up to see if I... Because I, I only lack, I mean, just a handful of issues to have an entire run of Defenders, but I bet you... I bet you and I are probably missing just about the same issues. Cause well, I'm only missing that one. I think that's it. Oh, really? That's the only. Oh, okay. That's the only one. Yeah, it looks on a quick glance here. It looks like everything I'm missing is uh, is below issue 19. So yeah, you should. So, yeah, it's it's yeah, always you, the earliest issues. There's stuff like that that you are legitimately looking for because I know you're also looking to pare down some stuff too. But if there's stuff that you right. legitimately want like that. You should share that with me because they actually had a few uh, early defenders in the uh, in the two dollar bins, and I could have. Well, I'll tell you what something. I've been really tempted to do lately, and uh, I, I tell you exactly what what sparked this thought was. Uh, 
Um, so not long ago, um, I sold off. You know, honestly, at the time, just because I really needed the money, we were we were something was going on. I think it was when our washer went up, and we just we needed some extra money fast. So I got rid of my um, Batman Adventures number. Is it twelve? Twelve or thirteen? Whichever. First Harley Quinn, yeah. And uh, I, I assume got that got you a pretty penny. What's that? I said I assume that got you a pretty penny. Yeah, it was. Uh, I want to say it was at least three hundred dollars. It was three, three or three fifty, something like that. Sight unseen, you know. It was one, through one of those Facebook, you know, community garage sale type of groups, and the guy was like sold. So, um, but it got me to thinking. Now I got a hole in my damn Batman Adventures collection because I think I have the entire rest of the series. So I was thinking about, um, you know, possibly buying that back at some point just to have the complete collection again and then selling the complete collection, you know, turning it right around. And then I got to thinking about all the series that I have where I'm pretty close to a complete collection. And I'm wondering if it would be worth the time, effort, and money to complete the collection with an eye towards then just turning it around and selling it, you know, but mm-hmm. selling it as a complete collection as opposed to, um, cause I know there's a billion auctions on eBay of back issues of defenders, but how many collections are there, you know, complete right. collections of defenders, you know, just as an example. So I've been thinking a lot about that, about maybe, you know, dipping my toe into, you know, the, the buy it just to turn it around thing. I mean, but I don't necessarily want to get sidetracked with that because the ultimate goal is to get rid of things, not to buy things. And I, I certainly wouldn't want to buy some high ticket thing and then wind up stuck with a friggin' thing either. You know what I mean? Right. So I'd hate to, you know, shell out the money and buy a, uh, you know, Batman Adventures, whatever the hell number that is. Tw- I think it's 12 actually. You know, go and buy that and, and spend at this point, I'd probably end up spending exactly, you know, what I made on the, you know, selling the book to buy it back at this point, maybe even more. I'm not sure because that book, last I looked, that book continues to climb. So, you know, I'd hate to spend that kind of money to buy it back with an eye towards, you know, res- resale and then get stuck with it, you know. Or worse yet, you know, t- take a loss or whatever. But I'm pretty sure um, that that's the only one I would need. And what I actually got to thinking about was uh, I think I only need a handful of issues to have every DC, what do they call it? The DCEU or what? I'm trying to remember what they call it. No, the DC. AU, the DC Animated Universe, you know, the, basically the, the Bruce Timverse. Right. I think I only lacked just a handful of issues um, of various series to have that complete thing. So I actually thought of maybe even trying to do it that way. But that would be a pretty massive, you know, massive investment for somebody and a hell of a lot of books to have to ship. Yeah, but, that, that becomes an issue, too, is, uh, you know, are you going to be able to find anybody... Uh, you know, who, who who has the money to to, to put out to, to you know to buy it from you, and, and, right? And, and you have to, you have to post it at a time where where that's going to work. Otherwise, you could end up right. you know not getting anybody at that moment. I then you know if you're doing something like that, I think it has to be you have to set a minimum price, and if you don't get it, you know you you got to just uh, pull it back. Right. 
Yeah, I've been doing pretty decent with it so far, but I haven't really gotten heavy into the comics yet. It's more been, you know, I started with the uh, with the ephemera, you know, with you know, like posters and promo items and you know that sort of thing. Um, I'm just now starting to dip in a little bit on the comic side of it with like trades and um, collection, you know. Uh, you know, collected editions and that sort of things, but I haven't done too much with with comics proper. But that's coming, you know, as this other stuff kind of kind of winds down a little bit. A lot of uh, like comics magazines and uh, fanzines and stuff like that. Some of that stuff uh, surprisingly has done very well. I really thought a lot of that stuff was was kind of worthless, you know, but I just hung on to them for, you know, for the fun of being able to look back at some, you know, fanzine, you know, some speculation somebody made back in the 80s or something like that, you know. I'll tell you what what did surprisingly well, at least for, for a little while, they've kind of slowed down in sales for me a, a bit now, but uh, do you remember Comic Spire's Guide? Mm-hmm. Back when it was like a newspaper format? Yes. I, I had a shitload of those, and I saved them all because I had a... I had a subscription that ran, I don't know, was it two years, two or three years, something like that. And I just, I kept them all. And every damn move that we've ever moved, and we've moved a lot, you know, I've hauled these things around. And they're in a great big, huge, heavy box. And uh, so as, you know, we were doing some cleaning out not long ago, and I was out in the garage, I ran across this box again. I'm like, why am I keeping these damn things? And I came really close to just tossing them, and I thought... Eh, who knows? Somebody might be looking for these things. So I did a quick look on eBay, and sure enough, you know, there was a lot of listings for Comics Buyer's Guide, but not a lot of listings for back when it was the, you know, the big newspaper format. And those that were listed seemed to command a pretty decent price. So I thought, eh, what the hell? I'll slap them up there. And I put them up there, and damn, they, I mean, I sold a ton of them right out of the gate. Um, like I say, they're kind of slowed down a bit now. But I was kind of shocked by that. I really was surprised that you know they would have any sort of collectible value at all, or that anybody would be seeking them. But yeah, it just goes to show you never know what people are looking for, you know, yeah, or what they might be true. interested in. So, but I've done fairly well with some you know some wacky things, but it it doesn't hurt that uh, every once in a while you know eBay has some really nice deals. Um, they do this one; they don't do it every month, or at least they haven't done it every month for me. But it seems about every couple of months they'll do it. Where basically you can list for free up to a thousand items. Wow. Um, and the catch with it is that you have to list it as a buy it now and leave it open to offers. You know, so basically you could list, you know, some comic and, and say, okay, you know, $10 is the price on this, but I will take, you know, I, I will accept best offers. And I've done really well with that. So I like that. And I, and I like that, you know, they're free listings as well, you know, because that's, that's the thing is that. Well, is that know, getting free, in, like if it doesn't sell, you don't have to pay for it? Or is that free that if it does sell, you don't have to give them a commission? It's, it's free in the sense that you can list it without paying anything for the listing. Because normally eBay listings, I want to say they're 35 cents. And that may not sound like much, but when you're talking like, say you've just got a box of shit, right? Just a box of just weird-ass stuff. And you, you honestly, you just want to get rid of it, but you're not sure. Is anybody actually going to buy this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking, say, I don't know, 100 items at 35 cents a piece, that's 35 bucks. You know, do you really want to gamble 35 bucks on a on a 
you know, just a box full of crap that you're not sure that anybody's going to have any interest in. But if it's free to list it, then all you're really spending is your time, which, you know, that is a sizable investment. But, you know, if you end up actually turning some things around, and I've been really surprised. I've, I've sold some stuff that I honestly was not sure. Am I, you know, there was a, a lot of times, you know, especially, you know, when you're doing this shit, you know, from sunup to sundown on a, on a day off or something and going, you know, am I completely wasting my time listing this shit? And then you turn around and sell it for a decent price. That That's very rewarding. And I've had a lot of stuff like that. I had a, you know, just as an example, I had some old uh, con programs from the 80s, from, uh, from Ithacons. And I was like, you know, is anybody actually going to be interested in this shit? And yeah, I sold them all. So, you know, and for decent money. So, you know, it's stuff like that. And then there's other wacky things. I have like a, you know, like an R2-D2, um, what do you call it? Like a, you know, like just like the paper fry hole. You know, like if you got a small fry from Burger King, you know, it was, a, it was like the paper fry holder with R2-D2 on the front. I thought, what the hell? I saved it. It was in a box. <laughs> I'll slap it up for like a dollar and see if anybody, and no, nobody wants it. But, you know, stuff like that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Because, I mean, I have been, when it comes to, geeky things i have been a classic hoarder of geeky things you know if it had star wars or or superheroes on it then i kept it and you know so i started digging through these boxes going look it's just time to get rid of some of this stuff you know and i figure if it fetches me a dollar it's a dollar more than i had and it was a dollar more than it was earning me you know so i'll just get rid of it and uh and i've been doing fairly well with that sort of thing so and then we'll you, see how it obviously goes. the shipping and everything has to be paid for by them as well. Right? You're, well, you're not, you're not laying doing, out for that, are you? No, no. So what I've been doing is uh, is basically calculating all that into the price. And then I list everything as free shipping. Um, and I hope that the way that I've done it, you know, I, I mean... I, I would like to think that the success that I have is, is testament that I must be doing something right because, you know, as I say, I've been doing fairly well with it. I mean, I could do better, but I've been doing fairly well. I mean, nothing's just sitting there. And uh, so what I've tried to do is make it a reasonable estimate of, okay, what is the value of this? You know, what is what would I pay? If I, saw, if I ran across this, would I look at this listing and go, you're out of your mind? Or would I go, yeah, that's a reasonable price. I'm trying to go reasonable price. I'm not looking to get rich. I'm not re- looking to screw anybody. Just what do I honestly think is a, a decent price for this item? And then factoring into that price, what's it going to cost me both in you know shipping and the materials to ship it? Because that's the thing I think a lot of people underestimate is that there's a cost associated with sending this item to you. Um, you know, for example, I list a, I've listed a ton of old magazines, like you know, Star Logs and um, you know, just old like Star Trek magazines, and you know, just all these you know old magazines. And I put them all up as you know, buy it now for you know fairly reasonable prices, you know, with an option of you know, send me an, you know, make me if you don't like the price, make me an offer kind of thing. And you get a when you do that, you get an awful lot of three dollar offers. Well, you know, okay, even if this listing is free, for to send a magazine through the mail is going to be two dollars and sixty six cents postage. 
that's just the mail. That's not, you know, if I got to go to, you know, the Dollar General or the Walmart and buy, you know, a bubble mailer for it, you know, and those bubble mailers can go anywhere from, you know, 60 cents to a dollar, depending on the size of the magazine. So that's, you know, when you're factoring all that in, you're not making any, you're actually losing money if you accept like a $3 offer. And that's what kills me is that, you know, for, for magazines like that, $3, yeah, hell yeah, I'd take $3, but I can't because I can't afford to send it to you. So, you know, that that's the frustrating part of it is I, I wish that there was some way, you know, if, if, if shipping wasn't an option or, you know what I mean, if shipping wasn't a cost, Mm-hmm. Then yeah, I'd I'd be I'd be making money hand over fist with this shit because and that's that's the problem is and I'm I'm not sure what has changed with eBay I'm not sure you know what what changed but you know back in the early days when I first started eBaying I can remember you know selling comics for you know for really cheap because I at one point I had uh, I'd actually quit my or uh, yeah I'd quit my job I was working at um, Target. This was back, well, hell, this was right around the time Logan was born. So this was back 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. Um, You know, and you remember post 9-11, the economy took a real hit and everything. Right. And I'd actually quit my job for a time, and I had bought um, the stock from a comic shop in Noonan, Georgia, that was going out of business. And they were just looking to bail. It was a father-son. They were just done. They, they had had their time, and they were just looking to, to just get the hell out. So I bought all of their back-issue stock and started an eBay business. This was back in, I forget exactly what year eBay started, but it was, it was pretty early into eBay. And I started just listing stuff up there. Now, a lot of the stuff they had was junk, you know, because it was, you know, it was a comic shop, you know, in the, in the uh, you know, co- coming out of the 90s, essentially. Right. So it was a lot of image, you know, all that, uh, that 90s stuff. So I'd slap them up there cheap. And I was doing such bang up business with that, that I, it actually got to a point where I, it was, I couldn't hold down a full-time job and do that too. So I quit my job <laughs> and, th- and that became my job was, was running this eBay business. And I can remember selling comics and, and I, I swear I'm not making this up. I can remember selling comics for 10 cents. And I, I look back at that now and I'm trying to remember how the hell could I afford to do that and make any money if I was selling these damn things for 10 cents? And I honestly can't remember. It had to be that the commissions, you know, the eBay commissions and fees were, it had to be a hell of a lot lower. And the shipping had to be much cheaper back then. Or, you know, the, I, I think the, the shipping might have been much cheaper, but I think it also might have been that you could charge for the shipping and maybe you got a little bit of profit on that. I, it had to be. I, I just can't remember now. But I remember, well, I mean, up until recently, I always used to do it like you see most auctions where it has the price of the item and then the shipping cost. And I, up until recently, I always used to do it that way. Um, but then what I found is that I don't, I don't know how other people look at auctions, but that annoys me greatly to click on something that says, hey, it's a dollar. And you're like, hey. Damn, that's a good deal for a dollar. And then you click on it, and it's yeah, it's a dollar. But then it's you know seventy nine ninety five in shipping. I'm like, God damn it! And every time that happens to me, it just pisses me off. So that's why I started doing them as the cost you see is what you pay. Period. 
you know, everything else is factored into the cost. I figured even that way, if I if I lose out occasionally because somebody looks at it and goes, you're out of your friggin' mind, that book's not worth 10 bucks. Well, you know, that way everything's factored in. I haven't baited and switched you. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that, that makes me nuts. It, it really makes me crazy when I see some great deal on something, but then you click on it and it's like, nope, that's not the price you'll actually pay. And I and I understand that you know not everybody's doing it to to piss somebody off or to, to bait and switch somebody. Oh no, I think most is, of them are. You you think so? I, I really do. I think I think most people feel like they can make up some of their uh, lack of profit on on the uh, on the shipping because some of the shipping seems totally through the rules yeah. as far as what they charge. That that's yeah, that's very true too. I do see an I, awful I, lot of shipping charges where well, it depends on how they're shipping it too because you've got some people that I don't know why I don't know if it's liability if it's just time and experience has taught them or what but i see an awful lot of people that refuse to send it any method but the most expensive method and i'm like you know if i'm paying a dollar for some old back issue comic book i don't need you to send it you know overnight priority you know delivered by you know the the royal mail i just ship the friggin' thing in a bubble mailer media rate and if it takes a week to get to me then okay you know, so long as you packaged it properly and it's not going to wind up, <clears throat> you know, all mangled and shit, I'm good with that. But, but everybody I know who's who does eBay sales has had an experience where they've done everything right and then the customer has complained about how they do it. Yeah, that happens So I a do lot. understand if there's people who say, I'm doing it with insurance and, and, and you know, that I have to get be able to track it and whatever because I don't want to deal with the bullshit if somebody says they didn't get that package. Right. Or that, or that it was mangled. That is one unfortunate thing I've noticed is that it, it, depending on what the trend is, like for me personally, when I was a buyer, you know, doing primarily just buying on eBay – all of the advantage was the sellers. You know, eBay was on the side of the seller. And, you know, they, they just, they didn't want to hear sob stories, you know. And it was it was a bitch getting your money back or, or getting something correct. You know, if you got something in the mail and it was just horribly mangled or you never got your item, it seemed like, you know, it was buyer beware. Somewhere in the intervening years, that has com- completely flip-flopped. So now I'm a seller and all the advantage is the buyers. So a lot of times, all the buyer has to say is, hey, I never got this item, and eBay just gives you your money back, and they don't bother to look into the shit or investigate anything or whatever, and as the buyer, that really sucks because then you're out both your money and your product, and mm-hmm. yeah, that happens, and that really blows. But yeah, there, there seem to be very very few rights anymore as, uh, as a seller. You know, All the bur- burden of proof is on you. It's no longer on the buyer. And... You know, that sucks. But one of the nice things about it is that if you go through the eBay selling process now to purchase your, your postage and everything, then there is tracking automatically built into it. And that really helps because I, I had a bit of a panic. Well, this is a couple of uh, months ago where a guy kept saying, I haven't got my I haven't got my item. And, and it showed through the thing that it had been delivered. And then about the time he took it to mitigation, and I really thought eBay was going to be like, eh, you know, sucks to be you, and, and give the guy his money back and leave me out in the cold, all of a sudden it, it miraculously showed up. So, you know, it became a non-issue. But, yeah, it's it sucks, because as, as the seller, it really is. It's all on you. 
you know and if yeah. the if the buyer's not happy for whatever reason you know it whether it was damaged whether it didn't show up or whether you know they're just an looking to you know screw somebody then you're kind of out there but my only real thankfully you know experience. knock on wood everything's i'm oh, sorry so my, my only real negative no, experience on ebay uh was i had purchased an autograph photograph to give somebody else uh uh-huh. and it was good price and when it came in the mail not only was it clear that it was a uh scan of an autograph picture but the scan was so poor that the signature was pixelated (laughs) you gotta be kidding me so it was at such a low resolution that it was just bad and i complained and it got me nowhere so that, that was my one my one negative eBay experience to speak of. There's a guy that's still on eBay after all these years, and I cannot believe he's still on there because I know well what he does is that he keeps he somehow or other he keeps switching accounts. So every every so often he pops back up again under a different name under a different user account. But you can tell it's the same guy because he's been using the same. Um, auction style you know the the same fonts and you know design you know basically web page design for his auctions that he's always used and he's this guy that'll pop up and he'll list things as being a an uh, you know like a promo ad or a promo poster or or something to that effect and it's all these you know these vintage comic book promo images like promo posters and stuff but then if you actually purchase them and get them, what he's done is, do you remember back in the 90s, DC did a whole bunch of, um, it was different superheroes. They had one that was like Superman. They had a Batman one. They may have had some other characters too, but they were just called Gallery. It was like Superman Gallery. Yes. And it yes, was basically, it was a book full of like pinups, but they were they were like promo images and stuff like, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. And. And this bastard got me because there was uh, one that I was chasing. I'm, I'm actually still chasing. Until this day, I've never gotten it. You might know what I'm talking about, though. There's a famous... Um, I don't know what, what where it comes from. I think it's from a lithograph set, but I'm not sure. But it's a famous picture of Superman by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. It's, it's a pa- beautiful painted picture of Superman flying up, you know, over Metropolis, and he's like flying at us, the viewer, with like this big grin on his face. You, do you know the one I'm talking about? Not off the top of my head, but if, if I saw, you saw it, I'd the probably Im- recognize it. Yeah, and it's it it's, you know, to buy it, you know, to buy that actual image. At least last time I checked, I haven't looked for this in years now. But when I when I last looked for it, it was still very pricey. And I think it was part of a set where there was also a Perez litho and also a Kurt Swan litho, I think, if I'm thinking of the right set. But anyway, I just wanted the Lopez one because it's, it's just gorgeous. It's a beautiful you know, piece of painted artwork. And this guy listed for, I forget what the price was, but it was fairly inexpensive. And it was listed as that actual litho with you know, all the descriptions saying it was the actual litho. So I, I ordered it, and when I got it in the mail, this son of a bitch had torn the page out of the Superman gallery where it was reprinted, comic size, in the gallery, had just removed that page and sent it to me. That's so I emailed him, like, 
you know, kind of flabbergasted, like, um, you real, and I was trying to be nice about it because I didn't realize at the time that he did this intentionally, that he knew damn well what he was doing. And, you know, I emailed him, you know, saying something to the effect of, you know, uh, this, this item that you sent me is not actually the litho, you know, it's a page out of, and I quoted, you know, the, the, you know, the exact description of it from the indicia, what the book was and all that. And then it just turned into a shitstorm, and it became very obvious that this guy knew exactly what he was doing. Um, but the fact that he was being called out about it, then of course he was going to get all defensive and everything. And, and, you know, long story short, I never got anything back from it. You know, eBay was pretty unsympathetic about the, and it was, you know, it was buyer beware, mm. which is how it used to be. And then, you know, like I say, at some point, it it, com- it completely flip flopped the other way. So well, t- see, I think it should be buyer beware, unless there's a clear misrepresentation. Yeah, yeah, but. and in this case, it was a very clear misrepresentation because he had it listed as if it was the actual piece, which it very clearly was not. And if it had been a matter of Oh, gee, I'm just stupid, and I hadn't read it closely enough to see that, you know, in the fine print it says, you know, this this is actually a reprint from, you know, such and such issue. Then I would have been like, oh, duh, I'm just stupid, and I didn't read the whole description. But no, this this had had passed it off as as something it actually wasn't. And back then, you used to you used to get a lot of that sort of thing. I don't see it happen so much anymore. But like I say, I, I'm surprised to see this guy still out there doing the same damn thing. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how they keep, you know, how he keeps worming his way back in. But I'll, every once in a while, I'll run across one of his auctions again, and I'll click on. First, I'll click on it. I'll read it over to make sure. Okay, is he still saying? Yep, sure enough. And then I'll go into his feedback, and I'll. I seem to catch him at different times of, you know, his his that you know the identity of the moment being on the way out. Because some of them I've caught where it's like. 50 50 you know negative and positive comments and then i've seen other ones where it's like negative comment after negative comment after negative comment and then you know within like a week or two the guy's gone so yeah but he's been this has been doing this for years so i don't know it'll be interesting to i'm curious now if any of our of our listeners will will know this guy and, and what i'm talking about maybe maybe we have somebody listening that at one point had a had a similar run-in with this but yeah I couldn't tell you what his current identity is on there now, but I saw him on there again not long ago, and it's the same thing. He he just buys up old, you know, old comics and and takes you know the ads out of them, or you know in my case you know like the old gallery books, you know, the reprint books, and he'll just tear the another you know uh, where I, I think where I saw him most recently. One that he does a lot is there's that famous John Byrne poster. Now I own this poster myself, but there's a John Byrne poster of superman smashing through a, a metal wall and it mm-hmm. says dc comics on sale here you know the one i mean i think so yes if you do a search for that one um i don't know if there's one up right now but that's one that he does very very often and what's funny is the doesn't even bother to hide the fact that it's not the actual poster because when he posts the image of the item that's for sale, it's the one from the gallery, which shows, you know, there's like a little tag on it, you know, at the bottom, you know, from from where it was printed in the book that says, you know, something like, you know, John Byrne promo poster, 1980, whatever, 1986 or whatever. That's not on the actual poster. It was put on the image in 
the gallery to tell you where the image comes from. So he doesn't. He's not even making an effort to disguise the fact that it's not the actual damn thing, even though that's how he builds it, how he sells it, and and the money he get, he makes for it. So it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, scammers are everywhere, man. But anyway, I don't know how I got off on all that, but <laughs> well, what else did you want to talk about? I don't know. I think we could uh, probably do a little email. I do see. Superman promo post in 1986, John Byrne, 16 by 22, though. Uh, but, yeah, this looks like it's actually the legit poster as opposed to... You're looking it up right now? I just looked it up on eBay. Yeah. It's definitely the image that <laughs> yeah, you were talking curious. about. But it's, it, I think it's a legitimate one. I'm just looking to see if, if I can find, while we're talking, see if I could find the... Uh, the fake one. Wow, this has really dropped a lot. Yeah, that's one thing I've been noticing lately is promo posters, all of a sudden, depending on the one that you're looking for, they're not that expensive lately. Comic book promo posters have really dropped in value. Well, I'm, I'm not a comic book promo poster collector, actually. So. Oh, I, I have been for years. Yeah, I, I love these things. Yeah, my yeah, my problem is I just don't have places ex- to display them. Yeah, that's true. I don't. I don't have near as you know many displayed as I actually own. You know, good example right here. The uh, have you ever seen the OMAC um, promo poster by John Byrne? Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful poster, and this thing used to be incredibly rare and incredibly expensive. I have one in my own collection. Here's one right here, two ninety nine. Buy it now with three seventy five shipping. That is an absolute steal for that. And it kills me that that's all it seems to be worth. Because, yeah. Wow. That's sad. And, of course, any promo posters I'm looking for, they're going to be the ones that are ridiculously expensive. But, yeah, even this Superman one is not... I mean, that poster used to fetch a couple hundred dollars. And the most expensive one I see here at the moment is, is 50. Hmm. The John, the Legends poster, though, there's one here. This is 125 bucks. That's uh, that's a pretty penny for that one. I have that one too. Anyway, you said you had some email. Yeah, we got a couple of emails we can uh, read off here. Start off sure. with one. I mean, we're going back to February here. Uh, we haven't read email in a while, but we haven't gotten that much. Uh, Kirk sends an email to us about our Black Panther score show. Hi, guys. Just listened to your score episode while driving in a southeast Ohio snowstorm. So I felt right at home with the Avengers at the start of issue 62. Dr. Bill, the easy way to remember which issues BP shows up in in the FFDD and the Avengers is to remember 52. He joins the Avengers after being sponsored by Cap in the last adventure over in Tales of Suspense 98 through 100. Paul, loved your comments, especially the sense that Manape was a singular foe of T'Challa, but not much of a joiner. He should never have been in the Lethal Legion because he doesn't share their history. The rest of your observations were spot on. Yeah, sometimes that Kirk knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I started buying the Fantastic Four with issue 54 and had 44 to 50 and 53 in the collection I scored. It was years before I spotted the cover of number 52 in a bait shop in Houghton Lake, Michigan for 10 cents 
It was battered and creased, but I knew I had never seen the cover before. It still holds a space in my collection all these years later. There are several tales... Was it a go-away bait shop? (laughs) (laughs) There are several tales as to how the cover 52 came about, depending on who you believe. But the fact is that Jack Kirby's original cover was rejected and still exists. Marvel flipped the image of the Black Panther and extended the mask to cover the face and shaded him all black. If... If you turn that issue number 52 on its side, you can make out what inspired the Kirby tech that the FF is wandering through. It's a saxophone. I'm going to have to take a look at that. That's kind of cool. Not sure who got cold feet about exposing T'Challa's face on the cover of number 52, but there was some discussion that it would offend distributors of Marvel Comics in the South. Nowadays, Stan says he's proud of creating the first black hero. The Wakanda tribe and nation is the second of four hidden lands or civilizations that Jack Kirby dreamed up in this period. First were the Inhumans in the Great Refuge. Second was Wakanda beneath the jungle sleeps a mechanized land. Third was the Kree outpost under the rocky isle of the Sentry Sinister in number 64. And last was the Beehive where him was born in 66 to 67. Uh, I don't know about uh, where the Savage Land fits in that also. So that, that may be a fifth. This leads me to think that the story is more Kirby than Stan, but your mileage may vary. There are at least three more Panther stories in the Silver Age. One is in DD number 52. Another is a retelling of his origin in Avengers 87. And a weak two-parter against the Sons of the Serpent falls in 73 to 74. But no one seems to talk about them anymore. We enjoy the show. Ren and the family will go see it later on. Late tonight on opening weekend. So I'm sure you've seen it already. Uh, Kirk G. Um, I actually, I you know, it's been years since I read uh, 73 and 74, but that was two older issues of the Avengers I had acquired fairly early on in my collecting. And at the time, as a probably 11 or 12-year-old, I had liked that story. I do remember it being a little heavy-handed on the, you know, the messages of, you know, how racism is bad. Uh but I do think at the time I enjoyed it. So I may have to revisit them and see, because you said no one talks about them anymore. So hmm. that's it from Kirk on this email. Might be, might be a couple to cover on, uh, on Avengers Spotlight sometime, because I'm sure I read them, but I cannot remember what they were about. Yeah, well, it, it, was, you know, it was definitely the racism thing, because it's the Sons of the Serpent. Uh, but again, I don't really remember exactly what went on. Right. Uh, we have a an email from Socrates Alvarez uh, that's from June, so we're getting a little more recent. Good morning, back to the bins. I just wanted to take a moment to say happy Father's Day to Paul, Dr. Bill, and Scott. Currently, Superman is a dad, and I think he's doing a great job. Over the years, other characters have become fathers. Who do you think is the best dad and the, and the worst dad? Hmm, now I haven't given that any thought. Uh, I think Magneto might be the worst dad. Just off the top hmm. of my head. Worst dad. Worst dad in comics. Let's think. Certainly he's a terrible dad to Pietro. <laughs> hmm. Uh, Reed Richards is kind of a inobservant dad. Off the t- just this, this is just off the top of my head. And granted, I, I don't know what's going on with a character modern day. I only know his history up to a point that I gave a crap. But just off the top of my head, I'm going to go with Cyclops. 
because it it never sat well with me that uh, the minute that Gene Gray came back from the dead the first time that he just abandoned his family and uh, and his son was just a mere infink at the time. Yeah, that's that's pretty um, pretty significant. That's it's pretty low. That's I always thought that was pretty shitty. Um, best dad um, again, just off the top of my head, I'm, I'm going to probably go with Jor-El. Um, you know, just the fact that, you know, he, he basically sacrificed himself and arguably even, uh, Lara too, you know, to, to say, you know, to hopefully save his son, you know, as, as, you know, kind of the, his last act and everything. I, you know, I, I like depending on the version that you, you know, that you follow or whatever. I, I really like, um, you know, the I, I like origin stories of Superman where you can really see the struggle and the and the you know the the price that was paid, and uh, you know, there's even some some versions where you know he's he's kind of questioning himself and that sort of thing. I like I I like that. I, I you know I think that's one of the reasons why Superman's considered to have such a classic origin is, you know, that was always one of my favorite moments of it. I always liked the um, the Kurt Swan uh, origin, uh, you know, where it shows Jor El and Lara kind of arm in arm crying, you know, right at the at the very end as they send the baby away. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's going to be mine off the top of my head. I can't think of one offhand that's better than that. Uh, you know what you want? What, what, uh, I know it's not a movie that you care for. Uh, but in Batman Begins, the guy who played Thomas Wayne was very charismatic. And he's like, you know, like you could understand why Bruce had such a uh, strong affinity for him. And that when they were killed, why it affected him so deeply. Right. Uh, so that's one that just jumps out at me just trying to think about it. I'm sure there are many examples, if we think hard enough, of comic book dads who sacrifice their lives to save their children. Right. I'm sure there's others, you know, beyond Jor-El. Jor-El's a great example of it, but I'm sure there's others. And I just can't think of them offhand. Uh, but I, I'd say they're all, you know, all pretty significant in their own way. Uh, so that's it for Socrates' message. Uh, well, we yeah, then we gave the best, and I, I'm giving Magneto right now off the top of my head as the worst, but this probably... And Darkseid might be the worst dad in comics. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't even... Yeah, didn't even think about Just him. Thinking, yeah. thinking you know... What a horrible father, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Mr. <laughs> Miracle and Calabac and Orion. Yep. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with him right now as my worst dad. Well, yeah, he, I think he's a. I think he's a really good one because the the honestly the first thing that popped into my mind and then I had to remind myself uh, I'm not a, not strictly a comic book character was was Darth Vader, you know. But of course, he's not really a comic book character so much as you know adapted to the comics. But um, supposedly, according to legend, a lot of what went into you know George's mind, you know, when he was you know, creating Star Wars and all was, uh, you know, a lot of Jack Kirby comic book influence, uh, including the new gods. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there you go. Dark side. Yeah. yeah. That's I, a, I think that's a good one. So we'll go with Jor-El and dark side. Uh, <laughs> next one is now we're into August. So we're getting there. Uh, this one is from Russell Bragg. We hadn't heard from Russell for a while, so it's good to hear from you again, Russell. Hi, guys. Another fine episode, even though the subject was filled with sadness. He was writing about our uh, Steve Ditko tribute. Oh, 
Coincidentally or not, I came across Steve Ditko when I was doing episode 96 of the DC Comics Presents show. DC was looking for something that Ditko could do. An idea floated by Dan Mishkin and Gary Cohn to Ditko was Blue Devil. Steve said he'd do it if he had to, but it really wasn't in his wheelhouse. Going into that episode, I knew nothing about Blue Devil, so that information didn't shock me like it would a real fan. I, of course, was saddened about Steve Ditko's passing, but not like some other comic readers I saw posts of on Facebook. Like I've said, I'm not the type to get overly invested in an artist or writer. I don't see artwork like you guys do. It's just nice to look at. Or I may like a story, but I may never remember who wrote it. Maybe I'm not a true comic book reader. I'm sure someone like Stan Lee or Bob Rizakis, who has helped me at times during my podcast, passes away. It will definitely impact me more. As per usual, I didn't have either Paul's nor Bill's comic. I do have Secret Origins 1986 number 18, which redid the Creeper's origin slightly. Fine job as always covering the books. I'm also happy that Paul agreed with Dr. Bill about something. I don't know if that ever happened. (laughs) Bill's Bill's idea about doing something other than Spider-Man for the episode. Too bad Scott had to miss. I'm sure he would have had much to say. Sorry, I haven't written lately. You guys have been you guys must have been worried sick. I've just been concentrating on the final days of the DC Comics Presents show. By the time you get to this email, it may be concluded. Anyway, another great show, and I thank you once again for keeping me entertained at work. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. All right. Thank you for that one, Russell. And yeah, I'm sure Scott would have had some input into it as well. And uh, But, you know, Steve Ditko has had, I think, different impact on different people. But I think the one thing we can't argue is how he did have a tremendous influence on shaping Spider-Man early on and creating him into the character that we know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, you know, if if he had no other uh, no other impact in comics, he would be he would be legendary for that alone. Uh, the last email we have today is again from Socrates. Good evening, Paul and Doctor Bill, and Scott. Uh, <laughs> in a recent show, Doctor Bill mentioned a comic shop with a buy two get one free deal. I found that shop helping my wife's nephew move to the Florida West Coast a few months ago. What a fantastic comic shop! I just wanted to pop into a local comic shop and check out a few back bins and was left completely amazed by this hole in the wall. Moving on to another topic, Paul, you mentioned that a complete run of DD was possible. I completely agree, especially compared to other titles. I've been working on getting a full run for the last three years. The real hit would be issues one and seven, then a few comics within the Miller run, but I found that after the Miller, I found the after Miller comics harder to find for some reason. Keep up the great show. Best regards, Socrates S. Alvarez the third. Uh, yeah, for some for whatever reason, I found a lot of Daredevil back issues in the last year or two. So I filled out. Uh, you know, I had very very little under issue 100, and now I probably have, I don't know, maybe 30 of the issues under 100 without ever spending a significant amount of money on any of them. Uh, so li- very slowly, very little by little, I'm getting there. My thought is if I can complete the run from the beginning, which obviously, like you say, number one and seven will be very difficult. But if I could complete the run from the beginning and get through the Miller run, 
I don't know if I would really care about getting the ones beyond the Miller run anyway. You know, that, that would kind right. of fill up my wheelhouse on Daredevil. That's, it's a lofty goal, though, because I don't know if I'm ever going to... I think I have two issues under number 10 now. I either have one or two. I'm not sure. Uh, really? Under, under number 10 uh, that I've acquired in the last year or two. Uh, and, and for cheap. I think I bought number nine for $4. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, if I can continue to find older issues on the cheap, I'm going to keep filling in holes. And then as... You know, once it gets to the point where it's like, okay, now I only need a handful of issues, then I could, at that point, I'd probably up my uh, my willingness to spend a little bit more on individual issues. So we'll see where it goes. Did you cut off there for a second, cool. Scott? Okay, because I, I didn't hear you for a second. No, I'm here. Cool. Uh, so that's it for our email. Uh, and I guess that'll well, thank do you it for the everybody show unless you have anything in. else. Yeah, and you know we, we haven't been getting that much email lately. I just assume everybody's kind of busy, and I understand that because it's so hard to find time. But you know, if you have anything to share with us, please. You know, we, we do enjoy reading it. And I guess that'll Absolutely. do it for this episode. Thanks for uh, making the time to talk to me today. It's sometimes it's hard for us to get together, Scott. So I'm glad we had a chance. I know. Absolutely, it was fun. Yep. And thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Well, hey, I miss you. <laughs> 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 <laughs>